How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great, too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to The Creep Dive. I'm your host, Jen O'Dwyer, D-W-Y-E-R, in case you need to know. Sorry, Give us one fact about yourself, Jen. I, I like this new fact game. I'm allergic to summer, and now I'm suffering badly with hay fever, and Puritan makes me go to sleep. Sounds divine. I am mm, Sophie gorgeous. Voice Talent White. You can just call me Sophie Voice Talent White. Um, a fact about me uh, I am trying to do the curly girl method It's extremely <laughs> Looking trying great. Because my entire hair has formed As it is wont It has formed a single Very thick dreadlock Hanging oh, yeah. off the back of my head And um, so <laughs> that's what I'm going through at the moment Just working through that Just kind of, you know, processing it about you, Cassie? It looks very good at the moment. Uh, I'm Cassie Deadpan Delaney, and um, a fact about me is that, um, uh, God, I'm, I'm actually incredibly boring. <laughs> that's that's a fact. Um, aren't you glad you tuned in, everyone? Um, everyone's going to start now railing against the introductions and demand that we go back to zero introductions. And therefore, none of this weird, stilted hostiness. Um, I've got I wondered, did we invite any? Go on. Go on. This Creep of the Week comes in courtesy of the Divine Susie, 
who is very sad because she won't be making uh, tomorrow's live show. Devo for yeah. Susie. Uh, it will be put up on our Patreon page, however, for those who missed out. So Susie has sent me this glorious headline. Nude sunbathers, flee deer, get lost in Australian bush. I don't know if that's the bush of an Australian person. Or is it the land type of bush? Could be either. I'm just going to give this to you straight from the horse's mouth, a.k.a. rte.ie. I'm just trying to find the name of uh, who, who wrote this, what journalist, because I genuinely just think you were having fun. Whoever you are. Australian authorities have fined two nude beach sunbathers for breaching a COVID-19 lockdown after they ran into a forest upon being surprised by a wild deer and got lost. An incident that went viral on social media. The men were among 44 people fined at the weekend for infringing curbs in Sydney and surrounding areas that were meant to rein in an Mm. outbreak of the highly infectious... Um, Delta virus. Delta, Delta variant. variant. Delta, you old bastard. Back to Mick Fuller. They were startled by a deer, ran into the national park and got lost. Not only did they require assistance from emergency services and police to rescue them, they both also received a ticket. And <laughs> uh, Mr. Fuller added, it's difficult, it's difficult to legislate against idiots. Burn! <laughs> I love it, Mr. Fuller. So in a statement, the police said the men had called for help after getting lost in the bushland near a remote beach um, in Royal National Park, which is a 15,000 hectare coastal stretch just south of Sydney, home to many nudist beaches. Um, The emergency crew helicopter found a naked 30-year-old man carrying a backpack and a 49-year-old who was partially clothed. Um, The government did not comment on Fuller's disclosure, but some lawmakers joined in a Twitter frenzy that had the word deer trending. Um, (laughs) Sorry, can I just say, of all the animals to kind of send you running, screaming in the nip into a bush, fleeing, deer feel feel not aggressive enough. I think you, maybe stag, Soph, do you think it was like a rutting stag sort of foaming at the mouth? You know, doing the the whole hoof scratch. I just, I don't know. Look, to be honest, I kind of get it. Like they may, these guys could be like myself and not a country person. I am uncomfortable in the countryside because I feel that I will be murdered in the the particular pitch blackness of a country night. Um, if I'm not oh, murdered, I, I will probably fall into a bog hole, a ditch, um, break yeah. or sprain an ankle, and then Step and be unable to save myself and die of um, hydra- dehydration quite shortly thereafter. Mm-hmm. Um, I do know, for example, that some of the most benign up. animals, when you see them unexpectedly, can be truly terrifying. A cow. I once can saw be a cow on a lonely country road at night. I was hitching. It's kind of ironic that I was hitching and unafraid of that activity. But when I came across exactly. a stray cow, I fucking They're lost large. my shit. It was there and went large. And I was like, I mean, hysterical. So yeah, creeps of the week, courtesy well, of Australia. You. I love the way they expected the entire Australian government to make a comment on these two lads. 
Like, do you know, in that report, they were like, the Australian government has declined or hasn't made comment. And it's like, I'll yeah, tell you why. I, I presume they're busy. I'll like, tell you they why. They literally so. are in charge of a busy. country the size of a continent. They're not yeah. busy because they've got no bloody COVID because they just shut down the country, which maybe we should have done. You know what I'm saying? But they have because COVID. No, like now. us, the they're COVID, an island. The Delta variant has spread they're, to they're the have two got it low. They have got it they're, now. They're going they're into really lockdown bad now. now. Yeah. yeah. God, lads. As we come out of it. Uh, we're always well actually we're going to come out of it and go back into it I'm ready for another lockdown though are you I'm a bit tired need a rest I agree uh, too much socialising face to face drains you uh, Zoom allows yeah. you to operate socially without totally being drained guys this week I have a story for you it's Yay. a story okay, I also you have a good one too Cass does Cassie have a can story can I tell you oh shade oh, <laughs> oh unbelievable you usually save that is, oh wow! Oh, Cass. feelings actually. Oh, Cass. Oh. Did you? Cause I've, I've, I've told some good stories lately, but I'm just really tired. And busy, oh, there's no so. need for that. Yeah, my heart's broken. I got really excited about this story, but just let me. I've got a scam. You a got man a scam. ended up married to the wedding planner. Yeah, two hundred and fifty thousand euros stolen and <gasps> married to the wrong woman. Ooh, it's a great. Love it. It's a great story. If we get time, I'll tell it. Or I'll stay silent. Okay, well. apparently my MO. <laughs> no! Oh, no! Stop that now. Come on, revive yourself from the bottom of, the, of that pit. And wait till I tell you about this woman. Her name is Judy Garland. Today, that's right, folks. Hey. We're going in on Judy. Cassie, um, you know who that is? I do know who Judy Garland is, yeah. Yeah. Just checking. Somewhere. That. Yeah. I mean, Beautiful. come on. Better. Um, that was better than juice. <laughs> well, would you like me to kick off? Because in the light You're of the Britney probably Spears. probably not on as much amphetamines. <laughs> in the light of Britney Spears and us talking about all the starlets from the past, none, like Judy is the, is the one, isn't it? That, that we should have learned from and we didn't. So we needed to create more. So here's a bit about mm. Judy. Right. Born Francis Ethel Gum, would you believe? Right. June 10th, 1922. G-U-M. And uh, almost wasn't born at all. In fact, apparently due to, according to this article, her mother initially consulted doctors about the possibility of, why am I saying this is just not interesting information? Right. Right. Mrs. Gunn was a vaudevillain. Is that how you say that word, guys? I think so. Yeah. Oh, so a song Yes Sing a song, song a dance. dance woman Sort of Yes Put young Frances nice. On stage When she was only Two and a half years old Right And then decided I need more So she added Frances's two little sisters Right And then they became known As the gum sisters And It doesn't quite Have a ring to it I think you might add But uh, no. Later uh, Judy went on to describe her mom as the real wicked witch of the West. Okay, very pushy parent, very keen that her daughters be the sing- song and dance girls, and um, things were not good at home. Okay, her father Frank Gum, also a vaudevillain, uh, seemed to have married his wife as more to cement their song and dance duo than out of love. 
So uh, Gum was reportedly having fairs all over the place. Uh, this is Judy's dad um, with both men and women and began making sexual advances to teen male ushers and students who frequented the movie theater the family owned. So there was absolute war mm. over that, as you can imagine. So um, the parents had a terrible relationship and Judy later said, as I recall, my parents were separating, getting back together all the time. It was very hard for me to understand those things. And of course, I remember clearly the fear I had of those separations. So uh, anyway, her father died in 1935, quite young, just after she signed with MGM. Okay, so they arrived to California after deciding, did I tell you where they were born? They were in Lancaster. Anyway, they arrived into California, the Gum Sisters, okay? And the mum was like, this is gonna, we're gonna hit the big time here. But I think it's time to change the name. So we don't actually, Mama anyway. Gun, you're on to it. So, exactly, because it was shite. Then the mother picked the Garland Sisters. And then Frances mm. picked the name Judy. And Judy Garland was born. So in 1935, 13-year-old Judy Garland signed her first contract with MGM. So Judy, little Judy, was very wholesome. And uh, unlike the kind of rest of the studio's bombshell sex pots, um, she was also 13, but she was very childlike. Obviously, she had a fabulous voice and an incredible ability to dance. She was a star, but her star was very much girl next door child and that's kind of where the money was and that's what they wanted from her so she had all these kind of childish uh, sort of teenage roles and she was paired with uh, Mickey Rooney do you remember him guys or you might have seen picture yeah. of him he's often oh I've heard of him yeah yeah like a little yeah. cheeky faced boy and they sort of had this kind of teen kind of child it was I guess you could describe them as the 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 first sort of Disney-esque stars they were sort of palatable for everyone and everybody in America loved them. She was an absolute star. But things were were creeping in a bit here at the studios because Judy, who was 13, was obviously starting to grow up and become a teenager. And that didn't, it just didn't fit the what they sort of wanted from her. So Judy was forced to diet constantly and her chest was bound to keep her looking less developed. And so, Jesus. yeah, and throughout this process, her mom, who was both her guardian and her manager at this time, was uh, very comfortable with the studio's sort of abusive control of Judy's physical appearance. So she was t- totally in cahoots there with the management. And uh, anyway, so mm-hmm. at the time, MGM Studios head was this kind of autocratic guy named Louis Mayer. OK, this sort of absolutely, as you can imagine, kind of kind of everybody feared him he was number one in control and he loved judy garland and free weinstein kind of oh yeah exactly that exact vibe dripping with creep and uh, he openly referred to Mm. judy as my little hunchback so uh he was later turned out judy kind of accused him or there was a suggestion there that he was sort of touching her inappropriately under the guise of telling her that she sang from the heart. So, you know, he was sort of, yeah, you can get the message there. He was sort of feeling her up. So when Judy finally confronted him about this behavior, uh, Louis Mayer feigned shock and sent, and argued that he was like a father figure to her. So 
Louis Mayer also contributed to the process of keeping uh, Judy as juvenile as possible. So he was signing off on the drugs she was taking and the taping down of her chest or fitting her with painful corsets to squeeze her into the Wizard of Oz costume. So Judy apparently was in uh, dreadful discomfort during the whole filming of that due to this, you know, corseted dress that she was wearing. And she was so young. So he continually as well kind of was assigning her parts that were just far below her age. So the pressure was on there to remain tiny and unwomanly. So like obviously Judy was under enormous mental stress at the time. And uh, like eventually it is said that her neuroses and defiance is what got her eventually fired from MGM. So anyway. Judy was 17 when she starred in the 1939 Technicolor fantasy, The Wizard of Oz. She was 17. Isn't that incredible? So this is the mm. film that really kind of stuffed oh, yeah. her into stardom. And it was a humongous big hit. And uh, there was obviously intense focus on the production. And all the execs were ex- especially strict in their continued efforts to you know, starve Judy. And uh, she had a series of minders who would sort of police her, what she ate and, you know, and follow her around the studio and make sure that she was never, uh, a lot of, I think a lot of this time it was food based kind of, uh, because she was consenting to take amphetamines and, or she was taking, I don't know if it was consenting, but she was certainly uh, on a various kind of concoction of drugs at the time and she black coffee was what was encouraged for her and she was smoking as much as 80 cigarettes a day a dream oh my god jesus christ yeah delicious so, but also no very i say no. she didn't have a solid poop for oh, years backed up for days you're right Cass. and oh, she was given that's a spanish and so this, salad that the black coffee and smokes <laughs> is it the horse bre- a horse's breakfast they used to call it in uh <laughs> In Nogline. used to work. In Nogline. <laughs> in the ghettos. So, Actually, it was in a place I worked in Dunleary, where they used to call it a horse's breakfast. Oh, yeah. Where did On you work South in Dunleary? Side. Can't name the, um, the, the establishment now. I wouldn't drag them into it. <laughs> anyway, right. So, uh, where are we? So, she was just, look, she was... This sort of amphetamine stimulant and then uh, antidepressants to help her finish the film. And she was absolutely oh, exhausted. And then the promotional road tour kicked in and uh, she was just on her knees. And um, it's likely that this sort of kickstarted what, what did become a substance abuse problem for her. And it plagued the rest of her life. So uh, you'd think like, I guess but with today's eyes on you'd say like why did nobody help her and maybe her co-stars would help but she was sort of ostracized and she was ostracized by uh, other starlets because she was the number one which made her you know competition for everybody but I think it was pretty clear to those on the inside that things were not going great but and you'd think to yourself, maybe they sort of relished in her demise, you know, new parts would open up and there would be space for others. So you can see how yeah. it got to a point that she was sort of alone for a lot of this. And they were just part of the same fucked up system. Like, yeah, exactly. All so of they the women themselves were just like fucking and caged practically. Well, like, exactly. And then the Mickey Rooney stuff, like he 
was the same age as she was and similarly sort of valued for his youthful appearance another fabulous performer but sort of as soon as he aged out visually he just was gone do you remember did we do a creep dive on mickey rooney i think mm. we did anyway so she was i can't remember i think i might have done it so between right she was getting absolutely harassed and ridiculed by studio execs at this uh this is post wizard of oz stuff she was in her she was about 19 her mother was just a fucking thorn in her face and she was all over her and uh she was like look Judy said right I think maybe if I get a husband that might act as a buffer you know oh no I know right so 19 year old Judy decided to get married to a band leader David Rose and she reckoned David's gonna help her he'll be the man in her corner yep so so despite ultimatums from her mother and Louis Mayer who both hated the idea of her getting married and uh, then the public not being able to perceive her as this young single, you know, the, you know, the gig. Uh, Judy went ahead with the marriage in 1941. She fell pregnant almost immediately. But uh, David and her several others, I'm sure her mother and Louis talked her into terminating the pregnancy because it would interrupt, you know, her career. And she was at this pinnacle. Then making money. Exactly. So um, I think we can imagine that that might have had something to do with the end of her first marriage. So within eight months, it was all over between herself and David and they officially divorced, right? Next marriage, she very quickly went on to marry another man. Well, this name might ring a bell. Vincent Minnelli, anybody? So this guy, Liza Minnelli's dad. Yes, was openly out as living as a gay man in New York. And uh, Judy and himself got together and it and Vincent promised her that was the end of that. I'm a married man now. And she said, listen, this is going to be my second marriage. This has to work. And uh, they, they agreed to get married and they had a daughter, Liza. Uh, but there was a 20 year age difference between the two, Judy and Vincent. And uh, Judy's erratic personality, according to this article, and substance abuse put a major strain on the relationship. Then in 1948, Judy unexpectedly returned home to find her husband Vincent in the loving embrace of their male employee. In a response then, she headed to the bathroom in a, and then attempted to take her life and she, and she was stopped she before she could seriously hurt herself. The couple separated in 1949 and a divorce then in 51. Okay. Enter number three husband. A terrible guy by the name of Sidney Luft. Right. Tough New Yorker. Fringe kind of film industry. And the couple got married in 1952. And Luft then assumed role of Judy's manager. Okay. Major warning oh. sign. Yep. So their partnership did result in the uh, the film A Star is Born. A Star is Born uh, and that sort of reignited Judy's career, earned her an Academy Award. Um, but Judy lost out to Grace Kelly, uh, most likely. Oh, sorry, she she got the nomination, but then Grace Kelly won. Grace Kelly, you know her from the olden days. Beautiful um, <laughs> woman from the olden days, basically. Princess Didn't of she Monica. Did she do a film? Princess of Monaco. What was the film she did in Ireland, Soph? The Quiet Man. Um, was she the, in The Quiet Man? Oh, I yeah, believe she, she was. 
Yes. Uh, you know, it's a film. Either she was or we're both so in sync that we're both wrong about it. Could quite possible. So Luft... She herself man, would be a great... Um, she would be another too. excellent... Yeah, women mm. of the uh, starlit kind of years just absolutely getting shafted all over the place. So anyway, I can right, confirm this that guy, we were both wrong about The Quiet Man. Oh, interesting. Did you find what film it was? It was Maureen was O'Hara. I see. Maureen. Yeah. Yes, Maureen. Yeah. So Sydney was a total bastard. He was a compulsive gambler and an alcoholic and he stormed through all of Judy's money. Right. And there was loads of it. Damn. Yes. So she Damn at it. some point realized, oh, my God, all our savings are gone. And uh, then roll on a divorce. And by the end of that, Judy was absolutely broke. Right. In 1993, Luft tried to sell um, Judy Garland's 1939 honorary Oscar and and the replacement statue she'd received after claiming the first one disappeared. So um, the Academy ended up taking Sidney Love to court. That's he such was... a good move. Though. I know. I know. Well, like, just so keep losing they, them year so anyway. after year until exactly. then one day you either can just pawn them over and over again. Excellent. <laughs> keep you in barbiturates and uh, whatever yes. else you need. Uppers, yeah. downers. Uh or you can line them all up on the mantelpiece and just never correct anyone when they're like, <laughs> my God, you've got a lot of Oscars. Just be like, I do. That I is do. an actual fact. I, I do. do have a lot of Oscars. But that is the true, yeah. Mm-hmm. You have them. They didn't say you won exactly. them. Exactly. Can you purchase? Didn't somebody it's accurate. Do you remember the time, was it Blue tried to sell off their BAFTAs? Oh dear, <laughs> that's a low point. eBay awards. I, you keep going. I'm going to find this here. Okay, so uh-huh. here we are. The year is 1965, and Judy has found a new love of her life. We're on husband number four. Okay, so at this point, she does have a bit of a track record for getting involved with uh, gay men, and she decided she would hook up with this gentleman by the name of Mark Heron. They married in Las Vegas and uh, Heron was openly in a, in a gay relationship with another actor. Uh, Liza Minnelli, which was Judy's daughter, right, eventually found Heron in bed with her husband. Are you with me? So Judy... With her own husband. Yes. Judy's, Judy's? husband with her daughter's husband found together in the bed yeah <laughs> yeah so these women were just well, collecting yeah, I mean, a number of it gay makes sense. individual men Dorothy. well that's it Soph that's it very so, good very good so then it was five months after they got married that this kind of to be honest, this family happened. sounds like really fucking good fun to be honest I know I Soph mean, I know what else they do, do you need except like loads of gorgeous gay men and you know a couple of really well, yes. it's the future. Doped up women, and what I they were living in. Yeah, minus the drugs mm-hmm. and the excessive narcotics uh, and the mistreatment, and the infidelity and the in betrayal. The future. So yeah, that's what you want—a load of gas, good quality performing women who can perform a choir should they need oh, to. Yeah, um, Just the and then some the party pieces, sperm, and some gay men for the tenors <laughs> yeah. and sperm. <laughs> Guys, it was Beautiful. an absolute party. Now, what it's I have nearly a utopia. Yes, what I haven't been oh, telling you. Oh, a gaytopia. 
<laughs> what I haven't been kind of explicitly saying during this is how badly Judy's doing. So she is okay. 100% addicted to a lot of things, alcohol being one of them and barbiturates exactly so, right? So she's a very unwell individual. So as much as all these marriages, what she might have been seeking and the fun they may have, might be having, there is definitely a flavor of people taking advantage of Judy here. And uh, I, well, we don't know for sure. It might be the case that they wanted to help and loved her genuinely. And, you know, many people did love her, but my goodness, she was not getting the help she needed at this time. So after that, that terrible affair, that really rocked the family, specifically Judy's relationship with Liza. And uh, Liza at this point had had enough of her mum and the, uh, you know, substance abuse and really picking her mum up the, off the floor. And, you know, she'd had a childhood full of, Jesus, you know, terrifying moments. So her mm. issues really were, were very, very bad through the 1950s and 60s. And Liza was a teenager then. And she had to essentially sort of manage the household and her younger siblings. And Liza saved her mother's life on several occasions, preventing drug overdose, and once even restraining Judy from jumping out the window of a fucking hotel. So Liza then, Liza's career takes off, and she is just sensational. You know, really and truly, Mm. an absolute Continues to be. Oh yes, absolutely. Her performance on Arrested Development is (laughs) fucking... magnificent i don't think we can underestimate how traumatic her childhood must have been i mean my god anyway she was flying high then as an adult for on the back of her own success you know obviously she's had her mother was judy garland like it's uh, unbelievable the big the biggest star in the universe and how she managed to Mm. get out from under and carve her own you know with her own talent blah 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 she was flying high yeah so she was she had at this point had enough of judy and had so she was emotionally supporting her and financially supporting her mom and she decided she'd had enough and she refused to come to the telephone when judy called and she banned her mom's access to her manhattan apartment building right so when judy garland called the front desk the doorman would say something like Ms. Minnelli is not accepting any calls from her mother. Isn't that fucking desperate? That's why I need a doorman. I know. so desperate. (laughs) Just an individual to stand behind your front door. Yeah, and I'm not even dealing with Judy Garland, like, but, you know, know. she has other issues. (laughs) Like, so listen, things were, things were, were not going well for Judy and... At this point, because Liza had sort of said, look, I've had enough here. Who took up the mantle? Only the next daughter down. Uh, Lorna Luft, daughter of your man who stole or gambled away Judy's fortune. Um, just as an aside, Lorna Loft is continuing in the industry. She does tours, singing all her mum's biggest hits. And she sort of mm. st- tried to carve out a, a gig for herself there. Um, so anyway... So Lorna recalls taking her mum down from, you know, talking her down from suicide threats and the difficulty of managing a parent with addiction issues as severe, so as severe as Judy. So once um, Judy even hurled a knife at her son, which was Lorna's younger brother, Joey. So Jesus. 
Lorna blamed her mum's behaviour on this massive substance problem and uh, in which she consumed Ritalin and amphetamines at 20 times the normal dosage a day. Incredible. So, and then Lorna Luft finally left her mother at the age of 16, unable to cope with her demanding out-of-control parent. Jesus, right? So, all the while, Judy is working. Kind of. So in February yeah. of 1967, she signed a contract with 20th Century Fox to play Helen Lawson in the film adaptation of Valley of the Dolls. So the character was an older woman with a big temper. So Judy was able to get through the wardrobe tests and pre-record a song. And But the trouble began when filming of the movie began, right? So Judy refused to come out of her dressing room. Rumours were swirling that she was too drunk to perform. And some sources claim... Uh, Judy was never comfortable with the role itself. So listen, whatever the whatever the reason, she was terminated. Her contract was terminated in April of that year. She received a settlement of thirty seven and a half thousand, which was half of her intended salary. So things were getting worse and worse, right? And then in nineteen fifty nine, Judy gets hepatitis and begins to suffer from cirrhosis of the liver. She's in a Manhattan hospital and she's pretty destitute at this time. She's definitely not homeless, but she definitely wouldn't have a f- a many beans to rub together. She was visited then by Random House editor, uh, Mr. Cerf. He offered her a 35,000 contract for her autobiography. Biography. Sorry, he visiting her in the hospital being like oh god yes exactly that's that's here's, quite a look here's some for cash. that guy exactly right so she this memoir memoir that that this was kind of this was going to be would was supposed to be frank open tell all you know you know the usual Jesus. all about her you see him at the end of the bed yes kind so of jiggling the really, iv being like Exactly. Looks like a really, uh, he looked like a kind of desperate. Exactly, right. Wringing uh, his hands. Yeah. So Judy made it through 65 pages of tape recording uh, before being released from the hospital. But the book was never completed. And then a year later, or a few years later, desperate for a payday, Judy approached Random House again, hoping to rekindle the deal. But the publishing house declined the offer. And the feckin' 35,000 was long gone. So she was sort of destitute at this point, 1968. She'd alienated all of her children. Her colleagues were also gone. And just about anybody who could help her professionally had sort of, you know, said enough is enough. And so she had really nobody. She was forced then to kind of look to her fans to buoy her up. They would take her in, let her sleep on the couch. Her possessions were stored in a couple of paper shopping bags. And so... One of these individual fans, John Mayer, was able to get some gigs, was able to get her some gigs in a small gay bar in Manhattan. And Judy would struggle through a few songs, be paid a hundred dollar bill. But the only compensation at that point would be that she was safe from the IRS who were sort of hounding her back taxes. Right. Roll on husband number five. So Mickey Deans was this guy's oh. name. He was managing a nightclub in New York in 1966. Uh, he was 10 years younger than Judy. Uh, a friend asked him to deliver some pills to her in her hotel suite. So it looks like Deans, he just became one of the many men who attempted to rescue Garland and promised to reignite her career in her later years. Uh, though, you know, obviously the erratic drug behavior continued uh 
he they married amazingly in 1969 and Judy commented at the time about the marriage saying I finally got the right man to ask me I've been waiting a long time so Mickey Deans discovered the 47 year old Judy Garland dead in her bathroom on June 22nd unbelievable cast in 1969 a coroner ruled her death to be an accidental overdose of barbiturates and it was desperate so look her garland's viewing part of her funeral her viewing in new york city was attempted attended by twenty thousand people she was where the fuck were they when she yeah. was on the floor getting a hundred dollar bill for singing her songs. That's it. So, so typical. I know. She was eulogized by forget. James Mason. And it was a star studded funeral, as you can imagine as well, lads. Um, it was a sad affair honoring this incredible talent who was never able to grow up. She was, she was never allowed to grow. She was never. She was like a caged yeah. fucking animal in a zoo, you know, like the polar bear going back and forth yeah. in the cage just tragic stuff isn't it guys and like so yeah her- like she'd never had any autonomy she never had control of her own money her no. own career like she was literally medicated from her early teens those That's contracts it. were insane they used to sign starlets up for like 15 movie contracts mm-hmm. and like yeah. no matter how like, successful they got they were just completely locked in That's it. and uh, it's an absolute like Oh, it was almost kind of well, yeah, it was almost like a ownership trafficking mm. practically well. No, yes, well, Judy, they knew exactly what they were doing, though. They knew what they were doing. They were locking them into long-term contracts where they were, of course, um, good. They're six. They were. They were always going to make loads of money off them and keep them. Yeah, like they were Did signing them the up for cheap. So it kind mm-hmm. of you know it was like lotto for them. They were like, look, we've got a huge stable. We can mm-hmm. ditch them anytime we want. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And if they hit big, brill, like payday. We own them. Yeah. So listen, her her three children are still alive. Liza's still there. Lorna Luft is still touring, singing Somewhere Over the Rainbow. Uh, her son Joey sort of hung back from the spotlight, uh, but was kind of, did work in the film industry behind the scenes. And sadly, Lorna and Liza, the two sisters, don't, seem to get on great but they are alive so that's something thank you jen You're the, uh, the film starring renee zellweger is also very good oh yeah Ooh, renee does a great job judy. Ah, judy i didn't see it oh it's very good it's well worth the watch renee zellweger is phenomenal there's a lot of it is around her her final marriage and that time where she's performing in the nightclubs after everything and it's heart-wrenching oh real i'm gonna like, watch that renee does a wonderful job that was class Judy. thank you jen you're welcome so we have about 10 minutes left does someone like to give us a little nugget you do your scale cast I will do it in 10 minutes. Yeah, sorry. Also, just to um, defend the good word of uh, British boy band Blue, it was not Blue that tried to sit uh, to, 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 to shift their Brit Awards. It was, in fact, S Club 7's Paul Cattermall, um, who put his 2000 <laughs> That's Best right. Newcomer Brit Award up on eBay, uh, having previously sold his single 
of the year for um, best single of 2002 oh. for apparently 65,000 pounds. And when asked why he's putting his 65. awards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why asked why he why he was putting them on eBay, he said because he was absolutely skint. Um, um, so then that's I think so that funny. S Club 7 are one of those bands that just did not, didn't age well. No, didn't they age didn't into really further success. Go the distance. Um, that's so funny because earlier I think you had said BAFTA about the blue, and I was like BAFTA. God, fair play to blue. I really had seemed to have underestimated them. <laughs> uh, their Brit Awards, but S Club Seven could have won a BAFTA because lest we forget, they had Miami Seven and Hollywood Seven. They're two spin-off TV shows that were um sort of pseudo reality TV, heavily scripted, but they all played themselves. Amazing! Oh my god! Just... Like criminal. That they were overlooked for the BAFTA. Jesus. Absolutely. Um, especially uh, with the little ro- the romance story. Okay, I'll tell you my story. 12 minutes. Okay. I'll tell you my Wait, story Wait, I have very, to very say quickly. something. I'm really excited for your story. And I know that it's... That often my own stories are just rambling <laughs> shitology. They take up too much time. So I apologize for that. Oh, all That's friends okay, again. Sophie, I'm glad we, it's, it's all come full circle, right? I'm going to tell you quickly the story of a British man uh, whose name is, uh, we're going to call him James, but that's not his real name because he was too embarrassed by this series of events to reveal his actual name to the uh, media. So James uh, was a British charity worker who had been working over in uh, the Ukraine. He was 52 um, and he was working in a place called uh, Odessa. Um, and while he was over there, basically he got involved, like he wasn't a typical kind of charity worker. He was like a guy who was uh, been brought into it by a friend. He's like a kind of bricky sort of construction worker in the UK and was going over to the Ukraine every uh, every year for a couple of weeks to help with certain projects whatever I don't know the details of the projects again because he's mortified so uh, while he was over there obviously working in the Ukraine he uh, didn't speak any Ukrainian or Russian and he worked with a translator all the time so it was in um it was in 2016 and he uh i'm just trying to find the point where something happened so uh no no so it was like there was oh yeah the house they were staying in something happened that they basically couldn't go do the charity work so they had like a few days where there was um something had happened to the house they weren't able to go out and do the work and so the translator julia was like okay james would you like to meet my friend arena instead and we can all go out and have a nice time and him and arena got on really really well despite the 20 year difference between them but they were never alone so arena spoke minimal english and james had no russian or ukrainian so um they had to Julia was with them the whole time and she was, it was getting like paid. the relationship in love actually with Colin Firth and that Portuguese woman yes yeah. exactly except strange and I think very fucking fucked up <laughs> um 
So Julia was there and she was being paid £107 a day to be there. Like James was like, it was a bit weird having someone repeating whatever was being said, but there was chemistry between myself and Arena. So, but when they were apart, they were able to communicate because they used Viber, which would like automatically translate their messages. So they did get to know each other. And he said they had better communication when they were actually apart than when we were together. Like she would send him messages saying, you gave, you, you know, this is a fairy tale. I believe in you. I love you. You have given me such happiness. Uh, so over six, with the course of six months, the couple would see each other whenever James went over to Odessa and he would take her out for expensive meals to the opera. Um, but it never went any further than that. They never kissed or anything because Arena was really modest and said that she didn't believe in anything close to sex before marriage. And James was like, okay, that's a really high moral standard, but um, that's completely fine. So uh, after a couple of months of dating, I think after 11 months, 11 months after their first date, James proposed to Arena. But he did so under kind of like pressure from her and Julia to propose. So <laughs> uh, the translator wading in as well. Yeah. Now he's yeah. Just well, it, paying this woman a hundred quid a day to put to like, like an incredible amount him. of pressure on him yeah to just like really pile on the pressure imagine <laughs> that imagine that being your kink like i can i pay you to remind me of the things that i haven't done in life can i pay you to give me chronic anxiety um so uh so arena had had felt trapped in the ukraine and she did want to move to the uk and she was she was open about that uh james said that she was obviously intelligent and wanted to create a future for herself outside the ukraine and that the the engagement was a bit of a kind of like an arrangement you know he did love her and whatever but um the goal was to get her to the uk so James began paying for Arena to have English lessons. Uh, the hope was that it would help her with the move to, a few, to the UK. But when they were talking to embassy officials in the Ukraine, it became really clear that it wasn't as easy as getting married and then getting a visa. There was like bureaucratic issues that were going to take months and years to um, several years to resolve. So in the meantime, James agreed that he would move to the Ukraine to start his new life with his new wife, Arena. And so he quit his job, sold his house in the UK, and with Arena's encouragement, they began looking for a place to live together in Odessa. Buying was expected, he said, because it gave a permanence to the relationship. Uh, and even though his friends and family in the UK were like, hmm, James, not a great idea, she, uh, he pursued it. And he was like, this is what I'm doing. I'm in love. So uh, Transferring money back over from the UK to the Ukraine obviously is a bit complicated. The Ukraine is, uh, according to media reports, one of the most corrupt countries when it comes to like buying property overseas and has uh, had loads of kind of high profile banking scandals. So transferring money into a bank account was just into like a new bank account just didn't seem like an option. So Arena suggested that James transfer his 200,000 pounds or sorry, it's $200,000, £141,000 apartment fund to the Ukraine. But instead of putting the money into Arena's bank account, James would have to put the money into the bank account of their friend, Christina, Red flag. who was their wedding, who was their wedding planner. And because she had a company account and she would be able to release the funds. Oh, now, God. there are so many times here where you're like, James, come on. 
But James did say he felt weird about it, uh, but he wired the money over anyway. And that's when things got really fucking bizarre. So Arena came to James. Arena, who was engaged to James, comes to him and says the bank are refusing to release the money because he's not legally married to Christina. So the solution was that he was to marry Christina very briefly and then a couple of days later they would get divorced and have the the real big wedding. That he would uh, marry the wedding planner, divorce her, marry Arena in their planned wedding in front of everybody, right? Um, They were like, this is just a formality. This is what happens. So James is in like a really difficult situation. He... um. Arena was really applying on the pressure because she was like, if you don't do this and we can't get the funds to get the apartment, this whole wedding is going to be so offensive to my family. So she was basically saying that like the apartment, having the apartment to move into that they owned was a crucial part of being married because it's established the permanency of it. And without having the money to buy the apartment, she basically kept texting him saying that she was he was going to make her look like a prostitute in front of her family and that it looked like it was a really uh, these are her words obviously that it would look like she was a uh, being used because he wasn't interested in actually having any sort of permanency so he was like I love her uh, I'm under a lot of pressure here let's go through with it and he agreed that he would marry the wedding planner as part of this what he believed to be a formality in the arrangement. Yikes. So, um, yeah. She was also saying that her family would be so offended that they would beat the living daylights out of him. So there was a threat of violence as well. So he was absolutely terrified. And I would say, also, um, would go along with it. If you can't trust a wedding planner, I mean, you'd lose, Who can you? you'd lose all faith in humanity. Like you'd lose your faith in love. A shady We've all wedding seen, planner. Um, we have we have all seen the Jennifer Lopez classic, The Wedding Planner. Yeah. It's <laughs> testimony to why you should absolutely not trust your wedding vendors at all. Um, <laughs> so, so on Friday, the 10th of July, 2017, with the encouragement of his fiancée, Arena, James married Christina Stakhova, The Wedding Planner. Arena uh, was jumping up and down. Rita was jumping up and down with joy, saying that she was so happy. And then immediately that day, the money was released. And that very afternoon, Christina and Arena announced that all of the $200,000 had been spent on an apartment. However, James would later discover the apartment, the actual value of the apartment was just $60,000. And he had not purchased it on his own. Rather, it was owned jointly with wedding planner Christina. Oh, no. So legally... (laughs) Purchased after the marriage, she's entitled to half of the uh, thing. So the day after marrying Christina, James went the day after the wedding to the wedding planner was the big wedding to Arena. So they had agreed then that at this stage, there wasn't enough time to divorce her, um, to divorce Christina and go straight into the wedding with Arena. Loads of the the wedding with Arena had this massive list of things. It was like a, a twelve a twelve hundred dollar cake. Um, the the restaurant had been two thousand dollars. The there was food for sixty people, alcohol and drinks for sixty people. It had cost basically like 
there was photographers, a limo, a, a videographer, uh, projectors, musicians, all of these different things broken down to the fact that it had cost um, over $20,000 for this wedding. Um, so they went ahead with it. James still legally married to Christina, but they were going to do the kind of like celebratory wedding bells and whistles thing to arena in front of her family. Um, and James was delighted. He was pulling up. He's like, it's, he, he, all of these kind of little, these nitty gritty little bureaucratic things have been resolved. And here I am marrying the woman of my dreams, uh, Arena, my one true love after 11, you know, a year and a half months of knowing her or whatever. Of just furiously vibing away. And yeah, vibing. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 11 month courting. And I always say you need to live with someone for all four seasons before you make it permanent. Um, but Lovely piece of wisdom. They, I would like that on a little sampler, if you wouldn't mind cross-stitching. All four seasons. And I'd actually say do it all four seasons a couple of times. Do you think um, I could decide that like living with my children just doesn't work, for example, through the winter? Yeah, I mean, that that's what could, you need to know. Yeah. Boarding. Board them out. You really should be able to live with your children before they're born. True. Like, and then decide. Yeah. yeah. Or at least get a preview. Exactly. Yeah. Um. Anyway, uh, so J- James now realizes in hindsight that everybody at the wedding was a scam. That they were not... They were not even Arena's real family. In fact, the woman that Arena was pretending to be her mother was actually Christina's mother. Oh, of course. So um, oh. the chances are, are that the 60 guests actually uh, paid or were paid to be there. Um, sorry, Arena's mother was actually Julia, the translator's mother. So Julia was in on it as well. They were all fucking in on it, right? Um, he was the only person attending the wedding who thought it was real. <gasps> so <laughs> James didn't know. It's desperate, isn't it? Absolutely desperate. Oh, to be it's a like guest that, at that would be fucking It's like priceless. that it's it's like that Darren Brown. It was a Darren Brown, the one who uh hypnotized that guy into thinking the world was ending. Like yeah. that was horrendous. You yeah. must do a creep on that. That was absolutely offensive. Um so James didn't know at that time, but his fiance Irina already had a husband. Um, she had been married to a man called Andrei Sky Skykov since August 2015, three months before she met James. Christina, the wedding planner, also had a husband called Dennis. He was apparently more willing to play along. And Christina divorced Dennis three weeks before she signed the paper to marry James. Once the scam marriage was over, she married Dennis again. So the evening of the wedding reception with the first ever night of intimacy between James and Irina looming, drastic measures were taken. James was drugged by the person he thought was Irina's mother. And uh, he says, she was plying me with drinks all night. I was spiked. I started violently shaking and had to be taken out in an ambulance. He spent the night in the hospital and Irina refused to go with him because she accused him of getting too drunk and um, and humiliating him in front of her family. Imagine being such, such a bastard that you're going to drug somebody, convince them that they're in the wrong and tell them it's because um, they, uh, 
they drank too much. You won't go with them and support them because they drank in front of your fake family. In front of the family that you've arranged to be there to scam this person. There's there's (laughs) levels of scamming here that are so, um, so awful. So James ended up in hospital the whole night. And then for the next few weeks, Irene just kept her distance, saying that she herself had medical problems, that James couldn't visit her in hospital because he wasn't legally her husband. He was still technically married to Christina. Christina. And the only person that could be with Irina was her mother. But James committed to Irina, paid $12,000 for her medical bills. Um, finally, <gasps> finally, a Ukrainian friend of James intervened and was like, mate, this apartment this is, is a not piece of real. fucking trash. It is like 60, 60 grand. And there's a picture of the apartment and... I mean, I know the property market is is in disarray at the moment, but this looks like it is not a it is not a two hundred grand apartment in any in any city. Um, so James sat down, and finally realized that the women had scammed him out of two thirds of his life savings. Bearing in mind he sold his house in the UK, so it scammed him out of two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Oh in total. dear. Yeah, but the saddest part was that every time he went to the police in the Ukraine. They just laughed him out of it. They were like, God, love you. This is fucking awful. But apparently romance scams in the Ukraine are so commonplace that they just broke their shite laughing at poor James. So James has been forced to um, enlist the services of a uh, of a, an independent Sherlock Holmes-esque character in Odessa <laughs> called Robert Papinian and um, who basically takes 30% of the money recovered and uses Another intimidation as one cast. of his methods to get the, the money out. Another scam. You oh, know? James. So you go in, you pay $3,000 up front and then they take 30, 30% of whatever they recover from the thing. Oh, um, so, so, so nothing could be yeah. recovered and your man's still getting his three grand and James is still in the hole. He needs a GoFundMe. Well, they're still in the process of they're still in the process of trying to um, recuperate the money for James through this um, method of intimidation and extortion. Such a terribly sad story. James sounds like uh, a bit of a naive uh, kind of character. Naive, but like a nice guy. He just wanted you know? love. I mean, is he though? Is 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 the essence of all this? Like, he's he's a fifty-two-year-old man who then wanted to rise. Pursuing. I mean, he's fifty-two and she's thirty-two, and yeah, I've heard worse. I know. Not that that makes it okay, (sighs) but like, it's not like he was. It's not like he he didn't pursue it. He didn't go there with the view to getting a young Ukrainian wife. Get a yeah. So I don't know. Anyway, Poor James. just be careful out there. Careful children. out there. And don't trust your wedding planner. Don't trust Ever. your wedding planner and don't trust Jennifer Lopez. <laughs> Thanks, I'd Cass. Like, and- that was brilliant. God, that was emotional. That poor lad. Now, we will see. Very excited for tomorrow is Wednesday. We will see some of you IRL. Can you believe it? Uh, prepare to be sickened on the Instagrams and uh, very much looking forward to seeing you tomorrow. If you've got a ticket, it's going to be a great day. Sun will be shining. Can't wait. Can't wait. Don't forget to dress glamorous. (laughs) See you when you see Also, we're going to have our new line of merch available at our merch stand. 
That's T-shirts, true. lads. Yay. And you can either make payments in cash or you can make them through our website, talltales.ie forward slash merch. That's it. Yeah. yeah. That's it. Got it in one. Thanks a million, everyone. Uh, wonderful. Bye. See Bye. you tomorrow. Oh. Bye. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com.